Well, good morning and welcome to Better Life Church. We are so thankful that you took time out on your Sunday morning to tune in right here with us at Better Life Church. And even though the house may be empty this morning, my heart is full for a word that I believe the Lord wants me to speak into your lives. So I want to say thank you so much. In fact, hopefully you're with your family or with your friends. If you're watching us on Facebook, you could do a watch party. You can share it, get the word out. We know a lot of people at home and even though they're at home, we want to bring the word to you. And so we want to welcome everyone watching online. And we want to go ahead and say thank you so much in advance for some of you already given this week. It's because of your generosity that when times like this happen, we're able to take the Word of God into places where it may be shut-ins, maybe it's a nursing home, maybe you're at home at your house, maybe you're watching this in your apartment, maybe you're somewhere across the world tuning in. It's because of people's sacrifice and they give and they believe to whatever it takes to get the Word of God out. And we just want to say thank you as a staff from the bottom of our heart. Thank you so much for all that you do. And I know there's a lot of things happening right now in our world and there's some chaos and schools and, and the world. Every Everything is happening around us, and I'm going to address that just in a moment, but this is a new series, right, called Spring Cleaning, and we're in week two of Spring Cleaning, and even though you're at home, hopefully you have your book. This is a book our team put together for you as we're going through five weeks of James, five chapters of the book of James. This has been incredible. Hopefully this week you've done your Bible reading. You remember it's very short, very easy. You could take notes. You met with your group. If you decide to meet with your group this week, we'll use that at your own judgment as you get out with the people around you. We want to encourage you to continue to go through James chapter 2 and uh, keep studying God's Word together. In fact, as we go into James chapter 2, here's what we realize. We know that the book of James, this is Jesus' half-brother. Now remember, James wasn't even a believer until after the resurrection. We also know that he became one of the leader, if not the pastor, of the Jerusalem church all the way back uh, all the way back when the church began to grow in Jerusalem. But we also know around 62 AD that he lost his life. He was a martyr for standing up for Jesus, his half-brother, who didn't even believe he was the Messiah until after the resurrection. And it's with this he writes to the 12 tribes of Israel, to the 12 tribes who's dispersed all over the place because of persecution has come to the church. So it's, we have to remember that when we read through James 2 through 5. But even though he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah till after the resurrection, let me tell you something that we know James did. He listened. Because James chapter 2 through James chapter 5, the majority of this is found in the Sermon on the Mount. And so somewhere between here, we know that James began to listen to his older brother, right, his half-brother, Jesus. He began to listen to him. He took some notes because we begin to picture and pick out some of the text all the way through the Sermon on the Mount found right here in James chapter 2 through James chapter 5. Now, this is what's fascinating. He's writing to the, tw the 12 tribes of, of, of Israel, and there's 12 teachings through James chapter 2, through James chapter 5. Twelve. That's not ironic. Jesus planned that. God, through the Holy Spirit, inspiring, wrote this way for us to see. He's writing a sermon, basically, a little mini teaching, all to the 12 tribes that are scattered amongst the nations. The first two of those little mini teachings is found right here in James chapter 2. In fact, the first lesson is in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And the whole point of this, he says, if you're going to have faith, if you're really going to have faith, faith shows no favoritism. 
Now, we could stop and do a whole entire message on that, right? How not to show favoritism to the people around us, that we are to really love the people around us equally, right? But I know there's going to be people in your life you're going to get along better than other people, and some people are going to be your bae and your boo. I get that. I understand that. But we're not to show favoritism to the people around us. If we're children of God, God doesn't show favoritism, and we are not to show favoritism to the people around us. So you can read that. But however, the key verse is found right there in verse 8. Because really it's favoritism versus love. Look what he says in James chapter 2, verse 8. He says this, love your neighbor as yourself. Have you heard that before? Where do you think James picked up on that? Where do you think James heard that from? From Jesus, right? We are to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we truly have faith, because that's what really chapter 2 is about, real, real faith. If you truly have faith, and you truly follow Jesus, you're not going to show this favoritism. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to get along better with some people than others. I, I, I get that. He, he's not saying that. But you're not going to really show favoritism. Watch this. You're going to love everyone equally. And we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's even with that, as we caught off services this morning, in fact, in service this morning, but we're bringing it live to you. Aren't you so thankful for this, that we're able to do this? The church is not a building. The church don't just happen on Sunday morning. We are the church. We're to be the church seven days a week. And one of the greatest ways that we could shepherd you and love you and love the people around us, honestly, it's just, you know what, for the next little bit, we don't know what next week's hold. We're going to be in this week by week. We'll, we'll keep you posted. It's to say, hey, you know what, we're going to love you by asking you to be you know, at arm's distance away from people, try our best to see if we can beat this virus that's coming and kind of slow it down to really, honestly, to really help out with our officials, to really help out with our, with our people in our hospitals and, and our nurses and our doctors who we love and, and people in the nursing home who are caring for them. This is a way to really help, you know, not overcrowd and overload this system. So we're, we're actually trying to practice that by doing this, by really showing that we love you, by saying, guess what? We can have church at home. We don't have to come here to this this big, crazy, awesome building. You know, the, the, the church met in homes. They scattered amongst homes. And so we could still be the church. You could still right now when this is over, take your, your book in the book of James. Sit down with your kids and, and sit down with your, your family. Go, no, we're going to have a Bible study this morning. And you're going to like, your kids are like, what? You know, what? You're getting the Bible out? Get the Bible out and take the dust off of it. You know what I'm saying? Open up the Bible with your family. Have church. You can do that. The, we are the church. In fact, you don't, you don't go to church. You just bring the church to a building. This morning, you're having church at your house or your apartment or wherever you are across the world. We are so thankful. The first mini teaching there is not to show favoritism but to show that you love one another and then James chapter 2 verses 14 through 26 we get the second sermon and this is honestly where I was going to spend the majority of our time this morning this is where I was really going to focus on this text about how do you really know you have real faith but in light of the things that are happening across the world I'm going to take a moment to really go through James chapter 2 right here this little section but then I have another word I just want to address to you about panic in our life but in this text, basically what James is saying, listen, if you have faith, show me your faith. Faith, listen, faith without works is dead. If you say you have faith, then show it by your actions. Listen to what he says there in verse 18. Someone may argue, some people have faith, that's great. Others have good deeds, that's great. We're glad you have faith, we're glad you have good deeds. But how can you show me your faith if you don't show me your good deeds? I will show you my faith, watch this, by my good deeds. What is James saying? He is saying that faith is action-packed. That if you have faith, you're going to put it into action. You don't just sit around and say, I believe in Jesus. Your action, your faith, watch this, the fruit from your life should show that. 
If you truly believe, there must be action that follows it. Now, please hear me. James is not saying that you're saved by your actions. He's not saying that you're saved by your good works or that you're saved by your deeds. We know that that's not true because the Apostle Paul, and this don't contradict itself, he says that you are saved what? By grace, through faith. It is a gift from God that no man can boast. So we are saved by grace. However, there is a teaching that goes right, and maybe it's not even, even kind of indirectly, they don't even know you're teaching this. It's a, that you're saved by grace, yes, but then you got to keep working to earn to keep your salvation. Now, we know that's not true. We're saved by grace, grace through faith alone. But here's what James saying. That's awesome. That's great. We are saved by grace through faith. No doubt about it. But if you're truly saved, you're going to notice my faith through my deeds. You're going to know, know my faith through my actions. That, that when you look at the fruit that's bared from my life, you should be able to look and say, there's evidence in your life that you truly follow Jesus. Ask yourself that question. If you look at the evidence of your life, you say you believe. You say you have faith. You, you, you say that Jesus is Lord. That's great. But look at the evidence of your life. Does your life back that up? Does your actions back that up? Does your deeds back that up? That's what James is trying to argue. It's great you say you have faith, but if you really truly have faith, faith is action-packed, and from your faith will produce great fruit, great deeds, great works from your life. So I'm going to show you, James would say, that I'm following Jesus, my Lord, by my life by my works, by my, and we know this, 62 AD, he goes and he's martyred for standing up. I'm going to show you my faith to stand up for the truth, to stand up by my actions. So James actually fulfilled this. He actually showed us how to walk that out. And you know what's really fascinating, and I, I wish I had time to really jump and spend time with this. James goes as far and says, I know you say you believe in God. That's awesome. In fact, probably most people, at least here in our country, would say they believe in some higher power, there's a God. There's some God out there. James says, that's great. And he makes this comment, even the demons believe, but they tremble at his name or at his word or at him. Now, what you think about that? Satan is not an atheist. The demons are not an atheist. They literally believe. So here's my question. Do you have the right belief? Even though the demons said they believe, James says even the demons believe. But we know in the end what happens to them. We know they don't spend eternity with Jesus, so you can believe intellectually. But do you have the right belief that affects your heart? And James says, you can say all you want, you believe in Jesus intellectually. He came. He's God's son. He, I could even believe he got up out of the grave. But if you truly believe, watch this, and you really have faith, here's what he's saying, then that faith would radically alter and change your life. You know what the difference when the demons say they believe? They will not submit to him. They believe intellectually, but they will not submit to Jesus. They will not bow a knee to him. Someday they will. But James, it says, even the demons believe. So here's my question. Do you have the right belief? What do you mean by belief? Do you trust him? Have you put your trust in him? Number one. But number two, do you trust him? Let me tell you something about trust that I've learned. Trust is 
not a feeling. I thought for the longest time that trust is a feeling in my life. Trust is not a feeling. Listen to me. Trust is a choice. God, I can choose to trust you in spite how I feel. I trust you even though it looks like my marriage is not going to work out. I trust you. I trust you. It looks like I may lose my job. Something may happen. I trust you. I trust you. I'm going to choose to trust you. When I see the stock market drop 9,000 points and 20-some percent correction in the market and watch my 401k become a 201k that looks like it's going to be a box of special k. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about, right? I can trust you. Trust is a choice. It's not an emotion. And it's not a feeling. And let me tell you something, right now in our world, the feelings are running rampant. The feeling of worry, the feeling of anxiety, the feeling of fear, the feeling of uncertainty. And when, watch this, when you're a believer who believes, when you believe Jesus, right? I'm a Christian, I believe that. But when I look out into the world and I see what's happening, even right here in our own backyard, even right here in our own state, even right here in our own country. It's hard sometimes not to feel worry and anxiety and, and this negative emotions, this uncertainty. But then you want to stand up and go, but I'm a Christian and I trust and, and I believe God's good and God's going to come through. But then in the back of my mind, I'm scared and I'm worried. And, you know, what if my grandma gets it? You know, what if my kid gets sick? And what if it comes here? And, and all these things happen. And, and so you, you're a Christian and you, you trust but I still have worry and I still have doubt and I still have uncertainty and I still have these negative emotions. What do you do? What do you do? And honestly, I, I know we're going to kind of go off James chapter 2 and talk about faith, right? Faith by works. But there's also faith that I'm just going to trust that God is in control. Over the next several weeks, here's what's going to happen. Our lives are going to change some. Our schedules will change. How we communicate and get around may change. The normality of a normal life that you know to be normal is going to change for the next few weeks. Listen to me. It's okay. Some people are so afraid of change and they're so scared of change, but it will be okay. How as a believer, how as a believer can I trust in such a mist of uncertainty? How can that happen? You know, in John chapter 14, when the disciples were like, what's going on? And, and they're panicking. They're trying to figure out what's going on with Jesus, what, what's going to happen. And Jesus said something that's fascinating right there in verse 27. He says this, peace I give to you. And I think that's a great word that we need to hear this morning. Jesus says, peace I give to you. But I'm scared, but peace I give to you. But what if peace I give to you? But I worry about my family. Peace I give to you to you. Folks, listen to me. God's presence brings peace. But let me tell you something else does. God's promises. God's promises brings peace. And there are over, watch this, 7,000 promises in the Bible. You know what that is? That's basically like a blank check. And God wants you to cash that check. Claim his promises. Every one of his promises, the Bible says, is yes and amen. And out of 7,000 promises, watch this, as believers, as Christians, as children of God, we can cash in on that promise. God, I trust you. You said it, I trust you. In spite how I feel, in spite of the chaos, I trust you. How do you do that? Like, how do you choose to practice peace in the midst of panic? 
Because folks, let me be honest with you, people are panicking. People are scared. People are worried. And if I get to choose trust, and from that brings peace, how do I choose to practice peace? How do you do that? Like tangibly, physically, how do I practice peace in the midst of all this panic and all this chaos around me? And for us to do that, I briefly just want us to look at Philippians chapter four. So if you're sitting at home, or maybe in your apartment or wherever you are right now, if you're driving, you know, don't take your hands off the steering wheel if you're listening to this as you're going on the road. I want you to really quickly go to Philippians chapter four. I'm using a New Living Translation. So if you have your Bible, if you're on your phone, just go to the New Living Translation. I, I want to show you this. What does it look like to practically choose, to practice peace, to choose peace in the midst of panic, in the midst of chaos? I mean, honestly, this shouldn't surprise us. Remember last week we talked about there will be trouble. There will be testing. Trouble is going to come our way. We even see this in Luke 21, right? There'll be wars and rumors of wars and plagues and pestilence that come. These are just the signs, right? We, we know all that. This is not a, a message of the end of the world, the end times, none of that. But how do you just say, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. You already told us this was going to happen. This is happening in the world. How do we just choose to trust? So here, real quickly, I want you to take notes. If you want to take notes in James 2, though, you can and add some space there. So as you go through James 2 this week in your Bible study, in your group study, if you decide to have group this week, Write these down because some of you are going to need to look back at this. And some of you, maybe right now is a good time if you have a teenager or a middle school student and you're sitting there going, you know, I don't know how to talk to my kid about this because everybody at school kind of laughs about it, makes fun about it. And there's all these memes about the coronavirus and COVID-19. And I just want to be, just, just really want to be candid. For all the, everyone who calls Better Life Church their home church, as your pastor, would you, would you do me a favor? Would you just be very considerate? about posting things that's kind of laughable and making fun of the coronavirus and stuff like that. And there's all these memes and, and all these stuff. And because the reality is I, I have a friend whose family member is in Italy who's on life support. And when that connects to you and you start seeing real life situations, I have a coach from high school whose mom's in a nursing home in Harrison County, an elderly lady where there was a small little breakout in that situation. That's a concern. And so I just want to let you know that at somebody else's expense, we really don't need to be laughing or making fun of this. As, as children of God, we should be encouraging and pointing people to Jesus and say, you know what? There's, there could be peace in the middle of panic. There could, there could be calm in the middle of chaos if you just keep your eyes on Jesus. So how do I practically, how do I practically do that? Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's what you're going to do. I'm going to refuse to worry about anything. I want you to write that down now. I am going to refuse. Remember, this is a choice. And I'm going to choose and to refuse to worry about anything. Now, look what he says. Paul's like a savage, man. I mean, this is crazy. Look what he says in Philippians 4, verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything. And I just want to go, really? Like, come on. Like, really? Like, you mean anything? Like there's no wiggle room? Like I can't worry? Like as a parent, I can't worry a little bit about my kids? Nope. You know, can I worry about my job? Nope. Can I worry about my finances? Nope. Can I worry about my health? Nope. You mean there's no wiggle room? There's nothing on this side of heaven? Come on, come on, Paul. Let's help me help a brother out. You mean nothing I can worry about? Paul's like, nope. Don't worry about anything. Why, Paul? 
Why? How can you say that? I mean, when there's chaos and there's panic and there's uncertainty and I don't know, am I going to lose my job? Is something going to happen to my family member? Is it really going to come this way? And all this stuff. And I know I'm just talking about the virus, but it's even bigger than that. Just in life. How, you mean not anything? Why do you, why do you say this? Why not worry? Well, here's some things real quick. One is, is worry is, un, it's, if you think about it, it's, it's unreasonable. Because here's what worry does. Worry magnifies the problem. See, when you worry about something over and over and over, here's what happens. You think about it over and over and over, and the more you keep running it over and over in your head, guess what happens? You magnify the problem. There is a problem. Don't get me wrong. Huge problems. But the more we run them over and what if and what if and uncertainty, what if, what if, what if, the more we magnify the problem. It's unreasonable. Here's something else, too. Worry, honestly, from the beginning, it's, been a, it's unnatural. Like, we weren't created to worry. You know that, right? As creations, as God's creation, we wouldn't create it to worry. You know what's fascinating about it? We are the only creatures of God's creations that worries. Have you ever thought about that? Like the birds of the air, they don't worry. God's going to provide the nest for them. The, the lilies, God clothed them. They don't worry. They know the rain's going to come and things will happen. We're the only creation and God's creation that worry, that we don't trust him. It's really, it's unnatural. God in us we can choose to trust him. Here's something else. It's unhelpful. Now listen, I'm preaching to myself here. I'm not, I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself. Worry is unhelpful. Why? Because worry can't fix anything. Worry can't change my past. We all have a past, don't we? Everyone has a past. We talked about that. Remember, we put the backpack on. We all have a backpack. We all got luggage. We all got baggage. We're not, we all have a past. Worry will not change the past. But watch this. This one's a big one. Worry can't control the future. And so many people think if I just worry, 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 worry enough about it, maybe I won't get it. Maybe I'll stay away. Maybe I won't lose my job. Maybe if I worry enough, maybe my husband will come back. If I just worry about it, worry, watch this, cannot control the future, which means this, worry honestly is unhelpful. It's unhelpful. Worry cannot help you. So don't worry. And honestly, it's just unnecessary. We don't need to worry. I love this. First Peter 5, 7, he says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. He says, Cast your anxiety onto me. Cast it onto me. Watch this, because I care about you. Listen, Paul tells us, don't worry about anything. How do you do that? Let's keep running. Here's the second part. Pray about everything. I'm not going to worry about anything. That's tough, right? I can choose to do that. Literally, you can choose to do that. But watch this. I'm going to choose to pray about everything. Look what he says in verse 6. Remember, don't worry about anything. Instead, here it is, pray about everything. He says, don't panic. Pray. Don't worry. Worship. Trust me. Pray about everything. If you would pray more than you worry, you would be worried much less. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> if we would just pray more instead of worry more, we would be worried much less. I, I read a statement a long time ago that really wrecked me. And basically it says this, worry is like practical atheism. I'm like, what, what does that mean? See, when you worry, you're practicing and you're choosing not to trust God. And worry is like practical atheism. I'm going to practice not trusting God. That's what worry is. And I get to choose that. I get to choose. I am not going to worry. I am going to trust God. I'm going to worry less, and I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to do what James says. Remember we talked about this? If I lack wisdom, because I'm worrying about this, so I need wisdom. 
If I lack wisdom, what does it say? Ask. And I will give you wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing your circumstance, your situation from God's perspective. That's wisdom. God, would you open my eyes and help me see this from your perspective? This situation, whatever situation you're going through in your life, from your perspective. Here's a third thing. I'm going to thank God in all things. I am going to, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry about anything. It's hard to do, right? Let's walk this out. I'm going to pray about everything, everything. God, I'm going to pray about my family, pray about my kids, pray about my job, pray about my health, pray about my sister, pray about church, and pray about all this stuff. I'm going to pray, pray, pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for our country. I'm going to pray for our president. I'm going to pray for our elected officials. I'm going to pray for everybody in the healthcare system. Right now, I'm going to pray about everything. Watch, I'm going to pray, but what's this? But I'm going to thank you in all things. Now, don't miss this. He didn't say I'm going to thank you for all things. I'm thanking you for it, but I will praise you and I will thank you in it. Look what he says in verse 6. So tell God, right, we're going to pray about all things. So tell God what you need. He already knows what you need. But isn't that amazing? Your heavenly father says, just tell me what you need. I already know what you need, but I just want to hear you. Is that amazing? So ask. And watch this. And thank him. Thank him for all he has done in your life. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever sat down? I love the song, right? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Let me tell you what you do right now. Let me tell you what you do. So many people, they're panicking, they're scared, they're, they're, they're afraid. Sit down right now with your family. Grab your kids together. And sit down and go around and say, tell me something you're thankful about. Because let me tell you something about grateful people. Grateful people are happy people. Unhappy people are ungrateful people. One of the greatest things you could do is to stop and say, I'm going to thank God for this. I thank God for my family. I thank God today that I'm worshiping with my family. I thank God today I have breath. We could go on and on. Go around and get specific. Don't just generic say, thank God for my family. Thank God for what specifically think about your family. Begin to count your blessings. And here's what happened. Oh, my gosh, look how faithful God has been. Look where God has brought us from to today. Look how God took care of that, and he could take care of this. Look how God showed up there. He can show up here. And here's what happens when you begin to thank God for what he has done and for what he's doing. It begins to bring this calm, going, you know what? He's my heavenly father, and I trust him. See how relevant the Bible is to us even today? Thank God and thank him. Watch this about everything for what he has done in your life. And let me tell you something, church. We are so thankful. We have so many things to be thankful for. For instance, I am thankful right now because of your sacrifice and your generosity. Watch this. We are able to meet you in your home. We are able to get the word out. We didn't call off church. You can't cancel church. We're the church. We're to be the church every single day of the week. We're bringing the word to you. Is that not amazing? I am so thankful. Like one of the hardest decisions this week was like, I want to be here. And I want to be here with my family. I want to be here with my church family. I mean, it's, it was in me. I want to be here. But let me, have, let me tell you where I can shepherd you and love you, help you to protect you as your, your pastor. It's to say, this is what's best for you and your family right now. But watch this. We're not going to leave you there. We're going to bring the word to you. And we're going to care for you. Isn't that amazing? I am so thankful for that. This, that, that alone brings hope and brings healing and brings peace. But here's the big one. Watch this. Here's the fourth one. But I'm going to thank about good things. Now, this is the kicker. I really believe this is the kicker. I'm going to think, yes, I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm going to pray in, in all things. I'm going to thank God for the many blessings. And boy, he has blessed us. But here it is. Here it is. But I'm going to think about good things. Listen to what Paul writes in verse 8. 
Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Now, let's tune in here. What's the final thing? What do you, what do you want to talk about? Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. Put your thoughts there. Think about these things. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Folks, this is the kicker. This right here, this is, this is the big thing. Because here it is. What you fill your mind with will determine your anxiety and your stress and your worry. And I'm going to be very honest, very honest with you. We're in a world that when people latch on to something, the media is going to go crazy with it. Listen to me. I'm, gonna be, I'm very thankful that we have CDC. We have, we have people in the health profession. We have doctors that can get information to us. I'm very thankful that. This week, I was on the phone with several of my doctor friends. I called them. We talked about protocols. We talked about this stuff. What's the next steps? Listen, I did everything. I, I saw our elders. I saw our leadership. I talked to our staff. I, I, I talked to uh, medical professions. You know, I text, you know, people in our leaders in our community. I did, I reached out. I did everything the best decision and wise that you can be. But here's it. Here it is. There's also people want to spin it. And people know, watch this. There's money to be made on your fear. There's reactions to be made on your fear. There's things we could do when we have you in control and when you're feared. We make money when you are feared, when you're scared. So here's the this. How do, you, how do you balance all the chaos and the noise with God's peace and calm? For some of you, listen, you need to figure out a way how to get information without probably watching the media all the time. Because that has heightened your alert. It has heightened you at least in this season of life we're in right now. And it makes me, watch this, anxious, afraid, uncertain. We need to go back into what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely, what's admirable, what's excellent, and what's worthy of praise. Watch this, don't miss this. That's where your thoughts is. Because you feel what you believe. Put your thoughts on what is true. What is this a picture of? True, honorable, right, pure, holy, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. You know what that's a picture of? Jesus. And let me encourage you. I'm preaching to myself in the midst of all this. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's it. That's it. You can do that. You know one of the greatest ways to keep your eyes on Jesus? To stay focused on Jesus? Is to get in his word. Open up your Bible and say, you know what? It's chaotic out there. There's some things that are true. There's a lot of things that are untrue. There's a lot of storms, but there's, there's some things that are, are common. And I can't cipher the difference. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to what is true. I'm going to go to what's admirable, what's worthy of praise, which is your word. So, you know, I'm going to find myself in the Psalms. I'm going to find myself being comforted there. I'm going to find myself in the Gospels as I read through Jesus and watch how he's in control of the storms, as he's in control of disease, as he's in control of the universe. I'm going to put my faith and trust in that guy, right? If someone dies and get up out of the grave, I'm on his team. You know what I'm saying? I'm going with him. Like, we're going to open up to James chapter 2. It said, faith, if I really have faith, I'm going to show you by my works that I truly going to trust him because trust is a choice. I'm going to go in God's word. Listen, let me tell you what you need to run. If you want to run and hide and you want to run and be in refuge, you want me, let me tell you where to run. Run to his word. Get 
in God's word. It doesn't matter how I feel, Father, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to get in your word. The number one thing I would ever ask anybody in our church to do is to get in God's word. Because this will absolutely change your life. It is true. It's honorable. It's worthy of his praise. Get in God's word. And the last thing, this is the fifth thing, is to be content with anything. To be content with anything that goes on, that happens, or that you have in your life. I'm going to not worry about anything. I'm going to pray about everything. I'm going to give God thank. God, thank you. Be very grateful in all things. I'm going to think on the good things. I'm going to put my mind in God's word. I trust him. He has 7,000 promises. If you, I will. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. All right, you promised that. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to throw it. God, I'm nervous about it. I'm scared about it. You said it. I'm going to cash in on that promise, right? I'm going to think about that. But watch this. But I'm going to be content because I trust you with anything. Look what happens in verse 11. This is the Apostle Paul. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content. How do you do that? In whatever I have, I know how to live, watch this, almost on nothing, impoverished. I don't know when my next meal is going to be. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know where God's going to show up. I know what it's like to live on this side. And watch this. I know how I like to live with abundance when I had everything, when food was coming and everything was there and, and, and things were going good and, and, and things were moving great and the economy was good and everybody's going up to the right. This is good. I, I know what it's like to live over here and I know what it's like to live over here and I've learned the secret of being content. Look what he says. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Panic calm chaos peace when things are going good in the world when things are going bad in the world i've learned the secret now as christians come here come here as christians we should stop and go oh my goodness what's the secret we all want to know secrets don't we what's the secret what's the secret in every situation whether it's with a full stomach i had plenty to eat or whether it was empty I had nothing to eat. Whether I have abundance and plenty or where I had a little. Paul, help help us out here, Paul. What's the secret? Look at verse 13. For I can do, I can overcome, I can get over, I can get through it, I can go around it, I may go over it, I may go under it. Doesn't matter. I have a little, I have a lot. Good health, Bad health, chaos, calm, panic, peace. Watch this. I can do no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation may be, I can do everything. I'll make it. How? Through Jesus, through Christ, who gives me the strength. The days and the weeks may be tough. Watch watch this. But as Christians, we can choose to trust Jesus to give us the strength to face tomorrow, to give us the strength to walk through no matter what the world may throw our way. Don't miss it. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Like, that's it? That's it. If I was lean on Jesus, if I was stay connected 
with Jesus, if I will abide in Jesus, if I will learn about Jesus, lead and love like Jesus, here's what happens. He will be my strength. He will be my rock. He'll be my refuge in the midst of storm. He'll be my foundation when I stand, my cornerstone that's right there, right with me. Why? Because I've kept my eyes on him. Paul wants us to keep our eyes on Jesus. As your pastor, listen to me, keep your eyes on Jesus. And you know what will happen? You know what will happen? When, when, we're, when we are refusing to worry about anything, when we are praying about everything in our life, pray about it. Absolutely pray about this. God already knows it, but pray about it. I've been praying for health officials. I've been praying for our doctors and my doctor friends. I've been praying for nurses in our church that go places and all over. I've been praying for a cure. I've been praying for miracles. I've been praying for family members who've been affected by it. People don't even know. I've been praying for your family. I've been praying for marriages to be healed, addictions to be broken, that prodigals will go home. I've been praying that people will get saved by just being here this morning, tuned in with us right now, who may be panicking and not know what's going on. I've been praying through this. Pray about everything. Thank God in all things, God, I'm thanking you in this, not for it, but I'm thanking you and you're with me. God, did you got a purpose and a plan? I'm going to keep my mind on Jesus, thinking about him. And watch this, I'm going to be content. No matter what happens, no comes away, you're going to be my strength. You're going to be my rock. You're going to be my refuge. You're going to be my foundation. And then look here, here's verse seven. Here it is. Here it is. Watch this, because this is what we want. Watch this. Then you will experience God's peace. which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart. Watch this. And your mind, why? They're linked together. What I believe, what I think will determine how I feel. And I don't need panic to fill my mind that fills my heart. I need peace that fills my mind that fills my heart. And peace is not a feeling. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and he will guard your mind. Watch this. As you live in Christ Jesus, as you walk in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. Go back to James chapter 2. Remember, if I have faith in him, I'm going to show you by my actions. I'm going to show you by my walk. I'm going to show you by my fruit. So if I truly believe and truly trust, I choose to trust, and I walk through what Paul just walked through, what, practical. That's how you do this practically. Watch this. His peace. Because feelings follow thoughts. And his peace, which surpasses all understanding, watch this, will guard your heart and guard your mind. And you know what I'm praying for you right now? Peace. God is in control. We don't have to panic. Now listen to me. I think we need to be prepared. I think you need to prepare. We've been preparing. We've done this to prepare today. We did the best preparation we can make for you and your family today. I think there's nothing wrong for preparing, but we don't have to panic. We don't have to be sucked into all this frenzy and panic. Let's just be prepared. Here's what happens. We trust you, Jesus, and peace will follow. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do just for a moment. I know you might be sitting in the living room, or you might be in your apartment, or maybe at a hotel room, or you're somewhere visiting family. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And maybe, and it, would be, it might be a little awkward for you, but here's what I want to ask you to do right now, because I may be quiet in the house, all this stuff. I just want to ask you if you would just bow your heads just for a moment. Bow your heads. And I want you to think about those things I just walked through with Paul. Is there one or two of them that you like, ah, I really need to start being more grateful I really need to start praying about everything. 
I really need to choose. You know what, God, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. You may have to say that over and over and over every moment until, watch this, until your feelings start following that thought. I trust you. I trust you. God, you're my rock. What is the Lord speaking to you right now? I pray he whispers peace into your ear and into your heart. In the midst of all this chaos, that he would just calm you. That You know what? As a follower of Jesus, I choose to trust. And I'm going to trust him. And I want you to trust him. Maybe for you, you're watching this. And you hear what's going on. And you're like, man, I, I just, I'm just tuning in to hear what's going on, man, because I really, you know, I kind of have this knowledge about Jesus or this, you know, or this intellectual knowledge. Or I, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure this out. We're glad you're watching us this morning. You're online joining us this morning. But listen to me. The greatest thing you could do right now is give your life to Jesus. Because only he can bring that peace. Because the Bible says he is the prince of peace. So I'm going to ask you, to give your life to Jesus right now, right now. Whether you're watching this on your phone or an iPad or a computer or you threw it up on Apple TV or you're on YouTube or Facebook or you're on our app or you're watching us at, uh, on our website, it doesn't matter. Right now, I'm going to ask you, would you please give your life to Jesus? How do I do that, Pastor? Here's how you do it. The Bible says if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that's what his half-brother James did. He says, you will be saved. You'll be saved. So what I'm going to ask you is I want you to pray with me. Now, please hear me. Saying a prayer doesn't, doesn't save you. That's not what saves you. But my lips can proclaim. If my heart declares that Jesus Christ is Lord, my lips can proclaim it. So why don't you proclaim that with me right now where you sit. And you just say this, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And today, I believe you got up out of the grave for me. Would you please forgive me of my sin and turn my heart towards you? Will you come and be my peace in the midst of panic? If you've prayed that, I believe with everything within me that the Holy Spirit just surrounded you with his love and his presence. God has forgiven you. And watch this. He has brought you and adopted you into the family of God. Remember, trust is not a feeling. It's a choice. And you're going to choose today to trust him. And if that's you, two things. One, let someone know right now, whether it's your spouse or your kid, your aunt, your uncle, you're, you're, you're with some friends right now, you're doing a watch party, get online and say, I just want to let everybody know right now, I just gave my life to Jesus. That is awesome. Number two, let us know. The mission of Better Life Church is to help people follow Jesus, which we believe following Jesus is seriously taking next steps, so that you can experience an abundant life, a full life, a better life than you ever know. We can't fulfill that mission if we don't know and you don't respond, let us know. Hey, we'll let you know I gave my life to Jesus. Awesome. We have some steps for you to take. We want to help you take those steps. So please reach out. Let us know. You can let us know right now, right now, that you gave your life to Jesus. Man, I am so proud of you. And listen to me, church family and everybody who's watching online, I have no idea what the week's to come. We could do this very exact thing next Sunday. I have no clue. We're going to take it week by week. I have no clue. 
I'm not worried about it. Listen to me. Dear pastor, I am not worried whatsoever about this. If we have to do this for a while, let's do it. Come on, let's be the church, right? Let's be the church. And this is a great opportunity to share the people around us, our coworkers, our friends, our family members. Guess what? The church is just not an hour on Sunday. We are the church. Let's be the church. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We're going to be okay. We'll get there. I am not worried about whatsoever. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to join me in prayer to pray for those on the front line. Pray that those who will come up with something will figure this out. And we're going to lift them up and we're going to pray because God knows and God is in control. Let me pray for us and then we'll finish our experience today. God, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much for your word that is so relevant that we can choose to cash in on your promises. And through your promises, Lord, we'll bring peace in our heart. Through your presence, bring peace in our heart. And some of people right now, they're not even worried about what kind of what's going on in the world, but you hear what they're worried about? Their marriage. God, you can bring peace to that. They're worrying about how they're going to face tomorrow with the financial situation. You, you know that, Lord. You know that. You, Father, be their peace. You be our peace. And we pray for our world right now. It's in the midst of chaos. I pray that, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God will turn all their eyes to you, our master, our maker, our creator. We love you, Jesus. It's your name we ask and we pray. And everybody say it. Come on now. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Better Life Church. If you'd love to discover more about how you can take your next step with Christ, we'd love for you to visit betterlife.church slash next steps. There you will find help and resources for whatever step God has for you. If you enjoyed this message, We'd love for you to subscribe and be part of our community. You can also join us live on Sundays or find more resources at betterlife.church. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.